anyone that may not know me, my name is uh, Brother John Lauren, and uh, it's an honor to be able to um, come together tonight with you. Um, we're going to take a look at the Old Testament starting off. It's a brief word tonight. And um, about the Old Testament, the Old Testament, many of us understand that we're, we're not under that covenant any longer, but there is so much, so many treasures, so much, so much to glean from the Old Testament. There's a lot of symbolism in that um, that we can gr- uh, glean from. Um, we're going to take a look. We're going to take a look at uh, where the Lord was speaking to Moses in the burning bush. This is um, Exodus three seven. Exodus three seven. And the Lord said. I have surely seen the afflictions of my people, which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land that is unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, the Prizrites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel, come unto me, and I have also seen their oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. What we see here is that we serve a God that hears our cries. He is attentive. He is attentive to our cries, to our pleas. And Brother Don was bringing up recently that, you know, um, the enemy can be in many forms or opposition to our walk. It could be financial. It could be, you know, family members. It could be sickness. It could be any number of things. These are enemies. These types of things oppose the, and could hinder, you know, and distract from the work of God in our lives. And, and so when the Lord, he shows here clearly he bends an ear. Now, Pharaoh and his armies represent, in spiritual terms, the enemy. Were they not the enemy? So Pharaoh's the enemy, along with his armies, and we could equate that to Satan and, you know, his demonic force, whatever he may try to use. But so you have this symbolism of the enemy of God's people coming against them. And you know the story, but see, Moses was also a type of Christ. The Lord sent him, and by his hand, the Lord was going to show his mighty works, and he was going to deliver them, and he was going to convince the enemy that he is the God of Abraham, and he is the God of, of the Hebrews, in this case, and our God as well. You see, so this symbolism is very, very important that we see that we have a God that bends his ear to us. And I want to bring that up because this is a night of prayer. And I want to remind us in the scriptures what it says about the God that we serve. And he, um, you know what took place. Many of us know the account that the Lord delivered. First, there was many miracles. You know, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. But one after another, after another, after another, the Lord proved his might and proved his, his power. And, re, and eventually, they had to relent, let him go. But then 
foolishly and arrogantly he was going to chase after them. After all that he saw of the, of the hand of God, Pharaoh foolishly went after them once again. And then, as you know, the children of Israel beheld the whole army consumed by the hand of God. And he used Moses, a type of Christ, but they all beheld the, the army being consumed. So um, the interesting thing also, too, is that he delivered them out of that bondage. You see, it, it was not just merely, you know, there was oppression and bondage, and he proved and showed that he has a heart and loves and hears the cries of his people. So that's, um, that's point number one I wanted to make tonight. And we're going to take a look at another Old Testament example. And I want to bring another example of answered prayer. Um, let's go to Second Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 1. And what we're going to look at is the account of Jehoshaphat. And this stands out in many ways. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1, It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other besides the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat in battle. So you've got Moab, the army of Moab. You've got the children of Ammon and with them the Ammonites and whoever else joined the Ammonites, just doesn't say, came against the children of Israel once again. So you have got a massive army. This is formidable. This is huge. And it shook them in their boots, this army. It shook them. And verse 2, verse 2, there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea. On this side of Syria, and behold, they are, can't pronounce it, which is Engedi. Verse 3, and Jehoshaphat feared, but then he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. You know, so he's showing his humanity. He was, he was affected. He, he feared. But so then what does he do? He takes action. He took action and he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed the fast through all Judah. And so in, in verse 5, Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah in Jerusalem and in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in all thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee. So he is proclaiming the nature of our God. He is proclaiming what he experienced, what he saw, what they know, what they know to be proven. And so he is acknowledging in this prayer who our God is. And in second, in verse 9, chapter 20, verse 9, if... When evil come upon us as a sword of judgment or pestilence or famine, we shall stand in this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction. Then wilt thou hear and help. And then once again, now he's acknowledging the Lord's going to hear. And he's proclaiming, we're going to get some help. 
So verse 14, 2 Chronicles 14, 20, 14, then came Jeziel and some other, and I'm not going through all the names here. Um, then came Jeziel, he came, um, and then upon Jeziel came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem and all thou king of Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord God unto you, be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours but God. So he is already proclaiming, get your eyes off that army. First and foremost, get your eyes off that army. And second of all, he proclaims the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Verse 16, tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and they shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of, of Jeruel. So he's telling them, okay, here's where the enemy's going to be. He's already scouted them out. Here's where they are. I'm letting you know I'm giving you firsthand knowledge, forehand knowledge. Here's where the enemy is. 17, ye shall not need to fight this battle. Set yourselves. Stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah, O Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head, and with his face to the ground, and with Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, fell before the Lord and worshipped the Lord. Now keep in mind, so they hear the word of the Lord, they're praying, but then another element gets injected here, and that element is worship. They worshiped the Lord. They prayed, and they bowed, and they worshiped as well. It's another element being injected here. And um, then the Levites, chapter 19, or verse, stood up against stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. So now they are, they are exclaiming a loud voice and proclaiming unto the Lord. The Levites stand up, and they rose early in the morning and went forth unto the wilderness of Tekoa, and they went forth. Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Israel, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and ye shall be established. Believe that his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And the And when he stood, consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when, verse 22, when they began to sing and praise the Lord, set the Lord set an ambush against the enemy, against the children of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, which were come against Judah. So they, these are those, again, they came against the, God's people and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon, Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Seir utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy each other. So they are in such chaos. The Lord just went before them and confounded them to such a degree that they're in such chaos that they are literally taking each other out. The, the children of Judah didn't do this. They are destroying one another. Be, and the Lord had gone before them and caused the enemy to be weakened and confounded. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they, locked, they looked unto the multitude and behold, 
dead bodies fallen to the earth and none escaped. The Lord did a thorough job here. Um, so what happened here? What happened here? They, they, they were afraid, you know, you know, their humanity showed, but then this is, that's it. We're seeking, I'm going to steadfast seek the Lord. They get a word of the Lord. And then not only do they pray once again to repeat, they also worship and praise the Lord. I heard brother Bob say one time that sometimes during our period of time of praise and worship, and brother Brian, you know, spoke this morning about it's okay. Be yourself. Uh, take this moment because God is relational. He is a God that, uh, that is a relationship God. He is not about, here's the old covenant. This is my law. This is that systematically and all this. And here's my new. In addition to that, relationship is key. And he loves that. We have a God that loves to be relational with his people. And in this case, um, and Brother Bob had said one time that, or I don't know, that sometimes during the midst of praise and worship, God can get more done, more answered prayer, more change can take place than sometimes during a preached word. I mean, and, and, but it, it's, it's the sovereignty of the Lord. It doesn't matter what vehicle he chooses, he moves. And so in this case, prayer and praise and worship added to that prayer, okay? Um, I'm going to move on to um, the New Testament now. I'm going to uh, interject um, uh, another situation here, okay? Um, we're in Acts. Let's go, go to Acts 16, 19. This is Acts 16, 19. Now, there was this young lady that had a spirit of divination. She was a soothsayer. She, because she had this ability of a, you know, what they call familiar spirit. It was a strange spirit. And Paul rebuked her, you know, because she's proclaiming, oh, these men are of God. But he knew that she was speaking from the wrong spirit. But she also had this ability to bring fortune to her masters. Today, maybe you can equate it to somebody like really knowing what the stock market's going to do tomorrow or something, or inside trading, if you would. It just, she was bringing gain and fortune to them. And Acts 16, 19, when her master saw that the hope, well, what happened? Paul rebuked the spirit out of her. And so she did not have that familiar spirit no longer. That soothsaying ability was gone because she was becoming a nuisance. And Paul just had enough. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, cast that spirit out of her. And Acts 6, 19, when, there, when her master saw, when her master saw that the hope of their game was gone. They caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. And they brought them to the magistrates saying, these men bring Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. Now really, it was that their biggest problem that they were concerned that Paul was bringing traditions that were not so Roman. No, no, they were mad because they took away their source of, source of income here. They were more in the, upset with what Paul did and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to rebuke that spirit. So therefore, the multitude rose up together against them and in the magistrates stripped them of their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging their jailer to keep them safely, who... Once he received this charge, thrust them into the inner chamber of prison 
and made their feet fast with stocks. So they're in a tough way. They get whipped. And I can't even imagine what that's like. I can't imagine the pain that they were experiencing and the injustice that was thrust upon them and in shackles. Acts 16.25, and at midnight, what happens? What's Paul and Silas doing? And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. So they're taking notice, like, what is this sound are we hearing from these guys that were beaten? And again, I, I can't express to you what kind of pain they must be in being whipped and that many times and then beaten and thrown in. But these prisoners are hearing, what is this sound that is coming from the inner, the most inner portion of, of the prison? And now many of you know this account coming up. And uh, verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. So the foundations of what was holding them the foundation of their bondage, their imprisonment, the foundation of it is getting shaken. The, the very foundation of it's being shaken by the Lord. Um, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosened. And the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposed, supposing that the prisoners had fled. Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. They didn't even run off. You know, they were concerned about this man. They, you know, the, the, the concern and compassion for an enemy, you know. And says, we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell before Paul and Silas and brought them out and, and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So, here you see a situation where they prayed. Foundations were shaken that held them in prison. And the Lord clearly, you know, set them free in a miraculous way, you know. And, um, and I just want to bring out these accounts just, just to edify and encourage the, the Word of God tonight for, um, for what that this is prayer night. And one more point. I will make is Philippians 4 6. Philippians 4 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. And now, one more element being in, in, injected here. One more element. But in prayer, by everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So now, one more element for prayer. Let there be thanksgiving. Express thanksgiving unto the Lord. Colossians 4.2. Colossians 4.2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. So with our prayer tonight, not that it's formulaic. It's just simply um, just these elements are a good thing to add to your prayer life. And so just to recap, number one, we serve a God that hears our cries. Number two, worshiping and praising along with prayer pleases our Lord. It pleases God. Keep in mind, relationship, relationship. And point number three, let your prayers also be 
saturated with thanksgiving. That's all I have tonight. So um, the, the front is open now, and uh, let, let's spend some time and seeking our Lord. Amen.